This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to 5460, the Joe West Podcast. Featuring former Major League Baseball umpire Joe West. For six decades, no one has seen more baseball than Joe West. And now he shares those stories with you every week right here on the Podcast Heat Network. is asking the Reds to leave the field. I guess maybe as a form of security. Well, Joe West is not going back behind the, the catcher. So what is he doing? He, he wants to throw him out or what? He's not going to back away from confrontation. It's just not in his makeup. Which guy are we talking about back in the way? Well, come to think of it, hey, it's both guys. And they're warning the Atlanta dugout now. A helmet came flying out. Bobby Cox, I don't think, threw the helmet. One of his players did. But Bobby's jawing back at Joe West. But somebody's been tossed, and here comes Cox. It was Bobby Cox who threw the helmet out there. Off the umpire, oh. and that's a foul ball. Joe West gets drilled, and he appears none the worse for it. <laughs> He's a strong man. Nice. Now Joe's going to give him some argument because Mark's saying, "Why do you do?" Joe, just get over there and umpire, will you? Yeah. Just get over there and umpire. No. That's all. It's 5460, the Joe West podcast. Here's Joe West and your host. Mike Claiborne. Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to 5460, the Joe West Podcast. I'm Mike Claiborne, along with our host. He's the man. He's Joe West. He has done more baseball games than anybody else in Major League Baseball. So, Joe, you know, we've had a chance to talk to a lot of fun people over the time. We've had a chance to do this podcast. We've had a chance to visit with people like Mark Grace, Rick Hummel, Hall of Fame sports writer, We've also visited with Eduardo Perez. We see him every Sunday on ESPN and other media outlets. And Jerry Reinsdorf, he is the uh, owner of the Chicago White Sox, also owner of Chicago Bulls, and until recently, the only American owner in sports to have a championship in two different sports, Major League Baseball with the White Sox and also the Chicago Bulls. We just recently had someone else do it. But we're going to just shoot the breeze today because we haven't had a chance to talk about some of the things that are going on in baseball. First of all, how are you enjoying retirement? <laughs> well, it's wonderful. But, you know, Rita keeps out driving me on the golf course, and I, it's all I can do to catch up to her, you know. <laughs> She's quite the athlete herself. So. so you're having fun in retirement? Absolutely, yeah. All right. So we have a few things going on, and – 
first of all, what do you miss about the game? Because every time I talk to guys, other than the first and the fifteenth of the month, they always tell me about how they miss the camaraderie and all the things that go on inside the clubhouse and things like that, and the travel, the bus rides. What about umpires? Well, I I do miss the guys, uh, and like you said, there was a lot of camaraderie between us, and uh, I miss that. The the things I don't miss are the travel, which beats you up, and uh, I can remember it used to be in September and August, you'd have to look at the area code on the phone to realize what town you were in, because <laughs> we didn't we didn't have a home base that we'd come to for half the season. We were on the road the whole time, so that was a the hard part of that, and it and it beats you up pretty bad. And and for the guys that had kids, uh, it was miserable because they weren't there for the times, you know, for their little boy to play in his little league game, or his, even some of them, uh, their high school and and uh, running off to college because uh, it's tough on the family. And that's one thing that uh, a lot of people don't realize that the umpires have to go through because you know they don't have I- a hometown. No, there's no there's no base. There's no place you work out of. I know for me and this I'm going to date myself here much like you. When I would be on the road like that, I would take the phone book. And you remember what phone book used to look like? <laughs> take it out of the take it out of the drawer, put it on the floor and you roll over in in a corner would say the yellow pages of Pittsburgh or New York or Miami or Philadelphia. That's when you knew you've been on the road too long because that that would remind me of where I was at. Because you you're right because you would get confused late in the season on where you were at. Oh gosh, this is Tuesday. I'm in Miami or this is Tuesday. I'm in Denver or whatever. And those are the things that remind you about where you're at and then where you're going because there's always another road trip. There's always another series somewhere in in the country. You have to remember where you're going. Yeah, and and the uniqueness of it is, uh, I, I watch guys today, and and I watch them pack the car or pack the van to take you to the airport or whatever, and I have to go. Wait a minute, you can't do it that way. Let me show you. How to pack. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know that's the thing. Umpires have to pack smart. You know, you have your equipment, but then you have your other clothing you have to pack as well. Yeah, the uh, the funny thing is, and all those all those younger umpires they kept beating up for me. They said, "You keep checking a bag. We're not checking a bag." Well, I'm <laughs> going to check a bag because I've done it for forty years, so that's what I'm going to do. So, but uh, there were there were a couple years when I worked with Rob Drake that we used to carry our golf clubs too, and that was that made it even even more uh, difficult to travel because we had to get a big enough vehicle to transport the clubs. <laughs> so. All right, so you know what? It's funny you bring that up because I know, like, people who listen and watch the show think about um, baseball players and their equipment. Every, the the clubhouse guys are invaluable, okay, no matter what city you're in. What is an umpire pack? Because I've, I've noticed something recently where umpires, home plate guys especially, don't carry a broom to wipe off the plate. They kick the dirt off, but I, I've seen a half a dozen guys not have a broom, they, and they kick off the dirt. And then I saw a guy the other day, he actually reached in his pocket. He was a young guy who reached in his pocket, took out a little whisk broom, and <laughs> swept off the plate. And I was like, where are these other guys? What are, do they not pack everything? So tell me what an umpire packs. Well, in his equipment bag, he's got to have – the whisk broom to wipe off home plate. He's got to have an indicator to where you keep count of the pitches. And uh, 
And there were times when you want to throw that indicator away. I remember one time I looked up at the scoreboard, the guy, guy said, what's the count? I looked down at the indicator, and it said three strikes, four balls, and three outs. Well, none of them could have been right. So I said, whatever that scoreboard said, they paid a lot of money for that. Whatever that scoreboard said, that's what it is. And thank, thank goodness he hit a ground ball to get out of the innings. <laughs> And then um, you probably have to pack a couple of hats. You'll have to have one hat for the plate so that it fits over you, so that your mask will fit over the brim. So the bills are, the bills are yeah, longer. The bill will okay. be a little bit shorter for the plate hat. And then you'll have a long bill for the bases so that you can keep the sun out of your eyes. When you, then you probably, uh, they, uh, they'll pack uh, Oakley sunglasses because Oakley's a sponsor for the umpires. So, they all have a pair of sunglasses to go out there with. And then they'll have, I carried two two pairs of slacks, one for home plate so they'd fit over your shin guards and the other was for the bases. And then you'll have different colored shirts. Uh, you'll have the light blue shirt for the hot days and you'll have the dark black shirts for the night games. And uh, in fact, uh, years ago when I worked with Ed Rapiano, I used to make him go out and see what do the players wear? Because if the players were wearing light blue, we wouldn't wear light blue. We'd wear the dark shirt. If the players were wearing black, like the White Sox or somebody else had the black tops, you know, then we wouldn't wear the black. We'd wear the light blue so that we didn't look like the players. And one day he says, why Why do you do that? I said, because I don't want the shortstop throwing the ball at me when he's trying to turn a double play. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's a lot that goes into the game prep. You know, oh, we know yeah. players go through the hitting meetings, the pitcher meetings, batting practice, and infield. So umpires have a routine, too, as well, as far as making sure that they have themselves squared away before they walk out on the field. Absolutely. And years ago, we used to have to rub up the balls. Today, they're rubbed up uh, by the home team clubhouse attendant. And, and uh, But it's, it's kind of funny. I remember working a spring training game one year. I was with Steve Ripley and back when we were umpiring in separate leagues, uh, they would send an umpire from the American League to work a spring training game. If it was a National League part, the National League was responsible for working the plate and the other base umpire. We worked three umpires back then. We didn't work four. It took us years to get them to realize that the young umpires would never have worked second base until they got to the big leagues. So in, in this particular game, we're working three-man system and and before the game, Gene Shallot came to our locker room and he was asking us some questions about umpire like you're doing here. And it was, it was kind of cute. And Steve Ripley's rubbing up the baseballs. And he was saying, well, why do you put mud on it? And he said, well, it's to take the gloss off so the ball's not slick and this, that, and the other. And Steve held up a brand new ball that he hadn't rubbed up. He says, this is the showpiece. And he picked up one that was rubbed up and he said, this is the workpiece. And then Gene asked a couple more questions. Then he looked at Larry Young and he says, tell me what I have to say to get kicked out of a game. <laughs> and I know that Larry had rehearsed this because it was such a brilliant answer. You know, he says, tell me what it takes to, that I have to say to get kicked out of the game. And Larry said, call me something I'm not. And I said, yeah, tell him he's good looking. That'll get you kicked out of the game. <laughs> and, of course, Gene couldn't wait to use that in this, this report. So. <laughs> you know, one of the things I've learned about umpires, they all have to have a sense of humor and, 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 and selective hearing. 
Hey, folks, I'm glad you're listening today and having a chance to listen to Joe and our favorite guests we have on. But I want to talk to you about something else. You know, it's that time of the year where guys are getting a little frisky about different things and they want to make sure they can perform on the field and in other rooms of the house, if you know what I mean. That's where Blue Chew comes in. And this is something, Joe, that we have had a chance to talk about. And Blue Chew is something that we need to let everybody know that can really help them in a lot of different areas. Well, the coolest thing about Blue Chew is it's an online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. And the chewable tablets are there at a fraction of the cost of the other stuff. You can take them anytime, day or night, and just to get yourself ready for your performance later on. Or anytime. That's the great thing about it. You don't have to set the clock. You can just go when you go. But, you know, here's the deal. So for people who've never heard of Blue Chew, let me explain to you how it works. You just go to bluechew.com. Consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll see your prescription in, in about a few days. It doesn't take that long. It's a, it's a quick turnaround. And the best part about it is you're doing everything online. Just like you're listening to this show, it's online. No doctor's office visits. No awkward conversations about what do you think or I've got a little problem. And, you know, the neatest thing is you never hear your name called in a pharmacy line at the, at the, at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made right here in the U.S., and they're prepared and shipped you direct to your door in a discreet package. So if you want more information, just check them out, bluechew.com, and you'll find out that you will have a lot in common with the postman after a while. You'll also find out that first impressions, they are important. But with Blue True, I can guarantee you this, it'll make a lasting impression. And that's what this is all about. So it's time to get off the couch, fellas. Let's get in the ball game. You, you're messing up. You're wasting too much time just thinking about it. Blue Chew will get you moving in the right direction, and I do mean up. You know, a great songwriter once wrote, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And of course, you probably have never heard of him. It was me. But the Blue Chew is free when you use our promo code, Joe West, at checkout. Just pay $5 in shipping, and the BlueChew.com promo code Joe West to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. All right. So you 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 are retired. At least you think you are. You know, as you mentioned, your <laughs> wife has you busy. Uh, you watch the game. What are some of the trends that you see in the game that that we need to start paying closer attention to? I mean, we've got a lot of moving parts, a lot of things are going on. We 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 We've got the replay. We've got some other issues going on. The pitch clock apparently may be coming down the road. Anything you're seeing differently from when you retired, since you retired? Well, yes. Now they're making the announcements uh, after replay of what it is, which is probably a good thing for the for the fans. Uh, it's probably a mess for the umpires because now they have to remember which buttons to push and all this stuff. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure they'll get better at it as it goes along. And uh, but uh, that those are the little things that, that are happening. Uh, uh, I think the big thing that we're, we're missing is that the replay has really helped the umpires because they get to go in there uh, at least twice a year and sometimes as many as three times a year in the replay center. And they get to observe all the games. And when they're in the room watching all the games, then they get to see certain angles and they learn from it. It's like an on the job training. And I can remember when we first were negotiating to put it in and uh, 
we had a negotiation session with Manfred one time, and Manfred's an avid golfer. And at the time, he was saying, well, you missed this play, you missed that play, this guy missed it. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's put it in perspective. And I said, you know, every good golfer on the tour pays a million dollars a year for a coach. I said, we don't have a coach. You can quote all these numbers all you want to, and you can say he missed this, he missed that. But if you don't tell me why he missed it, you're just as much a part of the problem as it is because the umpire needs to know how to correct the mistake. And I think that's what replays that. And I'll give Manfred credit. He got that right away. He understood that, that when you have something and, okay, it's not going right, well, then we have to fix it. It has to be a remedy for it. And, uh, and I tell people all the time, there's only three ways you can miss a play. It's lack of concentration, lack of positioning, and lack of timing. Anytime there's a play miss, one of those three is out of whack. So, and when I say lack of concentration, that's paying attention to what you're doing. Lack of positioning, you can be taken out of position by the ball players. You know, the, the play happens and changes the angle of where you are. So you may be taken completely out of position. And, and then uh, one of the best examples I can give you is Don Denkinger's play with the Cardinals in the World Series. He was hustling so hard because this is the World Series, he ran himself out of position. So there, there are many ways you can take yourself out of position. And then there's timing. And what I mean by timing, and, and you allude to it on the air, all the time when it looks like, oh, the umpire's taking his time making this call. Well, he's gathering all the evidence just like a, a judge would before he makes a decision. He's taking in all the evidence. Did he hold the ball? Did he get him before he got the bag? And, he, and he's running all these things through his mind. And when an umpire does that, he's got a real good chance of getting the play right, even if he's out of position. So those are important things and aspects to talk about. And when you, and when you, when you go over things like this in replay, you can watch and you can pretty much decide he got this right because he did this, he did this right, he did this right, you know. And again, if you got the play wrong, it's the same scenario. So you learn from all these things, and that's the important part. You have to learn from it. Hey, you you worked in the replay center. I've been to the replay center. Walk us through what an impressive facility that is they spent like 45 50 million bucks to make sure they get it right and help the umpires and obviously the teams and fans to get it right tell me about your day at the replay center and how does that work well you're assigned two games and that, that's another thing it was another issue with manfred because he was the negotiating attorney when we put it in he came in the room and he says uh, i'll give you two umpires for replay I said, two umpires can't work replay. There's 30 games. I mean, there's 15 games. There's 30 teams. I said, two umpires can't work replay. He says, well, that's all I can afford to give you. Which well, you know, that's a position <laughs> of negotiations. I said, Rob, we need eight to work this. We need eight umpires to work it. He said, I can't give you eight. He said, I'll, I'll give you four. I said, you'll give us eight or you can do it yourself. <laughs> and I said, and I know you can't do it because there's too many games. And uh, he said, okay, we'll give you six this year and we'll use two minor leaguers. And the next negotiation will give you the other two. And that's how that evolved into how the number of umpires that work. And it's, it's set up so that each umpire is assigned two games. And if he has a replay, 
then that other game kicks over to another umpire that's still there. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So there's enough umpires to cover the games. And the uniqueness of it is they have all these angles. And the first couple of years we had it, we had these slow motion cameras where and some of these replays that you get, because they don't have the slow motion feed, they're blurry. And they had to fix those. And, and this replay system has evolved over time to get better and better and better. And now we've got most of the cameras and camera angles on these replay cycles where the, the camera is slow motion capable. You know what I'm saying? Because the high speed stuff sometimes can't slow down enough where you see clar clarity in the play or where the foot hits and so on and so on. So it's gotten better over the years. Each year it got better. In fact, it was really unique when we first started the replay that the Yankees had the best replays because they had the most cameras, you know? And so we get the best replay feeds from the Yankees. And then the Yankees figured out, geez, we're giving them replays of stuff that's going against us. Don't be showing them the replays. <laughs> so the Yankees kind of backed off because if they didn't air the broadcast, then you couldn't get it on the replay feed in New York where, where it was at that time it was in Chelsea, but now it's moved up uptown to uh, sixth Avenue. But the point is that because the Yankees had more cameras, they had the best replays. So they obviously, and it's like they had as many cameras as they do for Fox and ESPN when they do the national broadcast. So it, it's evolved over the years and it's, it's really unique. So, you know, it's interesting you say that because <clears throat> I've done games where we've had a bang-bang play and they go to New York for replay. And I always want to remind fans that they have more angles that we don't know about to see a play a lot closer than what the fan sees and what they see on the scoreboard. And it's a great investment that Major League Baseball has made because nine times out of ten, they get it right with all the angles that they have. And I know a fan may say, well, no, no, he's wrong. You know, I saw it this way. No, 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 no. They have other ways and you can slow it down. And because yeah. everything is digital, you can break the frames down and expand the frames even more than maybe you would have been able to do because you're not doing video as far as film or tape are concerned. Well, that's true too. And you know, there, there are situations where you have a tag up when did the guy leave the base while he was right. tagged up? And they have to sync all those cameras before the game. You get to the replay room and the people in the ballpark before the game are syncing cameras so that they're on the same digital time frame. So that if a guy leaves too soon, you'll be able to tell it. And, th and that's just as important as that close play at first base. So uh, there's a lot of, that goes into it. And the technicians that sit next to you, you'll be sitting in a, in a booth and replay and, uh, and the big thing is don't look at extra screens. Just look at the screen in front of you. Because if you look at the extra screens, then you get lost. Because there'll be eight screens up in front of you from the different angles and stuff. And so you're taught when you go into replay, just look at that one screen. If you need another angle, tell the technician. Call it up, yeah. That's all you do. And and once you learn to do that, now you're focused on everything that happens. And it's, it's really important that you follow the scenario and follow what you've been taught to do, which is true in every aspect of umpiring. When you learn how to do certain things, I've said this often, you know, everybody says, 
boy, he throws the ball really hard, you know? Once you learn how to umpire home plate, the harder they throw it, the easier it is because the ball levels out. Now, it's harder to hit because you got to catch up to it. But for the umpire, it's easier. The harder they throw it, the easier it is for the umpire. Yeah, you know, it, it's easy because if they throw it hard, it gets to home plate quicker. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, uh, as a chance now where you can sit and watch games, or what's the hardest play for an umpire? To, to be able to call and and they've got help now you've got three other sets of eyes on the field you've got the replay and there's some things you can't replay but what's the hardest call for an umpire to make today your next one <laughs> <laughs> you can get all those other ones right your toughest call is your next one and they could be a check swing it could be a swipe tag it, it could be a forced play on a certain base it could be a throw from the outfield the toughest call is your next one. And in learning everything you do in your life and learning the experiences that you have on the field, uh, you have to be able to adjust and position yourself according to the play as it happens. I've had young umpires ask me a lot of times, uh, can you help me with plays at first base? And that's one thing I say, no, I can't help you. You have to experience it enough in your career so that you know if the ball's going to be online. And they go, what do, you, what do you mean? Well, I've umpired first base so many times that when that third baseman or shortstop or second baseman throws the ball to first, as it leaves his hand, I can tell if it's online. Because if it's, if it's online, I don't have to adjust my positioning. But if the throw's offline, whether it's up the line or pulling the fielder off the base or whatever, then I have to adjust my position to get in a better position to see the play. And until that young umpire learns that the ball's online or offline, I can't help him. I mean, I can give him some ideas, but I can't help him. And the biggest thing you have to understand uh, when you, when you're going to be caught in a position where you're, where you're not exactly where you want to be is to be perfectly still. Don't be running. Because when you run, your heels hit the ground and your eyes have a little blur in them. In fact, they teach outfielders to run on their toes for that very reason because when their heels hit the ground, the ball blurs. And uh, it's, it's, it's just a technique that you learn. And uh, so those kinds of things that, that evolve in umpiring and how many years that you work and how many times you've seen this play or that play. I can remember when I first came up, I had a play in San Diego and the catcher went up the baseline and I didn't move because I'm thinking, what kind of angle do I have to get here? Well, when he went up the baseline, now he's catching the ball and he's swiping the tag back at the runner. And so I went to John Kibler that night and I said, how do you take that play? He said, follow him up the line. He said, mirror his back. And I'm thinking, okay. And I said, Give me a little bit. He says, when you mirror his back, you're looking down his arm as he tags him, whether it's on his left side or his right side. Now you can see if he tagged him. No matter which way he goes by the catcher, you'll be able to see it because you're looking right down his arm. He said, if you stay back, the runner might get between you and the tag. And it was like a light going on. You know, that little bit of information, mirror his back. That was like, you know, found money. <laughs> <laughs> it was unique. And uh, 
So I did that my entire career. When the catcher would go up the line to tag out or first baseman would go up the line, I'd chase him. And then when he'd reach down to tag him, I'd be looking right down his door. Who's going to take care of your family if something happens to you? What would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to goliathlife.com. Get a quick quote for more than 20 carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms. You're in total control, but it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income? Hurry to goliathlife.com. All right. Uh, I want to go back to the replay for a minute. You, you've been in the replay center. You've been on the field for replay. What could the replay do more or less of? Because I know that there are some calls that aren't admissible as far as asking for a replay. And then there's sometimes you say, oh, why are we playing that? So as you see it now as a fan of the game, is there anything you would do as far as adjusting it? Or do you like the, the way it is now? Well, I would add a buffet line because everybody's there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I think they've, they've done an admirable job getting it to where it is. I think there's certain situations where uh, if you're going to take everything completely out of the game and put it in replay, you're doing a disservice to the game because certain times there, there are things that happen that only the umpire's judgment on the field is going to be able to help you with. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, the best example is, uh, are they throwing at the hitter? Well, that shouldn't be in replay. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's the umpire's judgment as to whether he threw at the hitter. And he has the feeling on the field as to what's going on because of the language that's used and who's yelling at who and whatever. So there are certain things that don't belong in replay. And then there's certain things that, as Mike Winters used to say, I want you to correct my obvious mistake. And that's really what replay is for, is to correct the obvious mistake. I mean, Don Deckinger told me one day after, years after he had that call at first base, and we had negotiated replay, he says, where the hell were you when I needed you? (laughs) (laughs) And I I felt his pain. I felt Jimmy Joyce's pain on the play in Detroit. Uh, and, And I tell people all the time, Whenever an umpire misses the play, a little piece of me dies because I feel for him. You know, it, it hurts. And it as much as it hurts me, it hurts him much more. So, you know, have to understand that. You know, a, an umpire can miss a play. I, I've watched a couple of games where a guy who had to play, he, he wasn't having a good day. He, he was missing pitches way outside and, and or low in the zone, and he just wasn't in sync. What do, you, what do you say to a guy who's having a bad day? Not just a, a, a play, but a day where he's just not in sync. What happens to that umpire? Is there any sort of discussion, any sort of penalty, any sort of repercussion that comes with it? Uh, because it happens. It's just like a guy going 0 for 5 yeah. on an afternoon. So what what do you say as an umpire to one of your colleagues when you can see maybe you're working second base wherever and you can see he he missed it. he he kicked not only a call but he may have kicked the game well it's hard it's hard to go in and correct something immediately unless you have the ability to change it like i as a, as an umpire working with somebody who misses what you call a pitch i can't change what he called the pitch you know 
I can help him if I think the hitter fouled the ball off or, or there's a foul tip and the catcher didn't catch it or whatever. I can help him with something like that. But I can't help him on a ball strike to safer out unless he goes to ask me, and they're not going to ask me on a pitch. So um, here's I'll give you a, a play that everybody remembers. There was, uh, there was a playoff game. It was the Yankees and the Red Sox. And Alex Rodriguez ran down the first baseline and slapped the ball out of Bronson Arroyo's hand with his bare hand. Now, all this stuff that's happening at first base, Arroyo was between the first base umpire and the play as it happened. He goes to tag him instead of flipping the ball to the first baseman. So the first base umpire didn't see Rodriguez slap the ball out of the glove. So when the ball got loose, the first base umpire signaled safe. Now, I can't change that call unless he asks me. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. All right. So the Red Sox come out of the dugout, and I told Terry Francona, wait right here. Stay here. So we go down to the first base umpire, and the right field umpire came in. And, uh, and I said, uh, Randy, did you see him reach out with his bare hand and slap the glove? And his eyes got big as silver dollars. He says, no. And the right field umpire, Jeff Kellogg, says, yeah. He reached out with his bare hand. And I said, uh, now I'm giving him information that I have. I'm not changing the call because it's his call. Does that make sense? Do you understand where I'm mm-hmm. coming from? All right. So now I said, we need to get everybody together. So we got everybody together. And I said, we're going to change this call because... Rodriguez reached out with his bare hand and slapped the ball away. Well, the third base umpire said, are you sure? (laughs) And I said, we wouldn't be having this meeting if I wasn't sure. (laughs) So so sure enough, uh, we changed the call. And as Randy turns around to make the signal, I said, Randy, do you want me to call it or do you want to call it? He says, no, it's my call. I should should change. I said, you know, when you change this, they're going to throw everything in the book at us. (laughs) And he says, Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so we changed the call. We called Rodriguez out. We put Jeter back on first base. He scored on this play. We put Jeter back on first base, and the New York fans went ballistic, and they threw stuff. Somebody threw their car keys at the third base. Somebody they threw a BMW set of car keys <laughs> at John Rickback. <laughs> but, so, but we got the play right, and this is what's unique about this. I had to go get security. I had to tell the police they have to line the field so we can finish the game. And so they came out, and sure enough, they arrested like 16 people for misconduct. And uh, But we got the play right, and the media took up for us. Now, that's an important thing here, because if the media doesn't take up for you there, you're going to get murdered. But they took up for us because we got the play right. So the next day we come on the field, and of course the Red Sox won the game. And it was the year that they came back from down being down three to nothing, and they and they win every game to go to the World Series. But anyway, we come back on the field the next day, and we actually got an ovation from the fans because we got the play right. And it was a respectful ovation. It wasn't one of these, you know, thunderous applause, but they actually cheered us for what we did. 
So that, I, that guy who I, threw his BMW key, he didn't come out on the field and ask, could I get my keys back? Because I had to take a cab home. We, that no, guy we didn't were, come we out. Were, we were going through the parking lot trying to find his car. <laughs> 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 well, they, I mean, that's one of the first times we've ever had an ovation. I mean, I can remember every day I worked in Philadelphia. I got booed every time they called my name. <laughs> but, but in Yankee Stadium, after we made this call that cost the Yankees the game, we got an ovation the next day we came and that's unbelievable, you know, so. Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? Savewithconrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at savewithconrad.com. All right, as we wind things up with Joe West, the 5460 podcast, he's Joe West, I'm Mike Claiborne. Um, as you look at the game now, one of the things that's been a really hot topic is what's going on in the minors, where because of the pitch clock that they use, the games have been reduced by at least 20 minutes. 20 minutes, think about that. That's a lot of time in baseball. You like where it's going? Because I'm sure, and you and I have talked about this before, there are even other things that they could do to reduce the time by even more. But do you like the direction we're going with regard to the pitch clock? Well, yeah, and I think some of that, the umpires have dropped the ball over the years because we should be getting them in the box. Let's go get in the batter's box. And, and guys don't want to instigate something, so they're not as, as likely to do that as, as often as they should. And that's a, that's a sad thing because the, the uniqueness of this is the umpire needs to run the game and get the game going. You know, they, when they started sending us to the, to check the pitchers between any, they were sending us the wrong way because the plate umpire's job historically has to been to go down the baseline of the team coming on the field to get them on the field. And those are little things that over the course of years they've gotten away from because they don't want confrontations with the players. And uh, you don't really realize the umpire's job, let's go get them on the field. Come on, let's go. And that's part of your job. And so I like the fact that we're trying to speed up the game. But here's another thing that will speed up the game. Throw strikes. I mean, you can see it. If the pitcher throws strikes, the game's going to move. And the, the fielders will play better. The hitters will be active because if they realize you're going to throw three pitches, they'll be back in the dugout if they take three pitches. They'll play faster. Uh, I think one thing we've done is uh, if, we, if we've cowered a little bit to the media for their commercial time, and that hurts the game. You can't have a pitcher out there waiting for a commercial to come back. Um, and with the split screens that we have now, I don't see why you can't just keep going. Let's go. If the pitcher's ready, you go ahead, and the commercial runs on a side screen while the game's going on. I think that's what we should be looking at. You know what? I, and as we wrap up, I, I was involved in a game. Um, an hour, fifty-four minutes. We had one pitcher who had two, three-ball counts the entire game. Two. Think about that. You talk about throwing strikes. He was in the zone. The other pitcher was in the zone. It was the best game I've witnessed all year. Not a lot of runs scored. Good defense on both sides. One pitcher made one mistake. He gave up a two-run homer. He lost two to one. But I thought at the end of the day, that's the way the game was designed to be played. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. My first 
plate job in the big leagues. I had Phil Necro and Joaquin Andahar. It was an hour and 57 minutes. And they threw strikes. You know, of course, Necro is throwing the knuckleball, and the hitters mm-hmm. are up there jumping around trying to hit it. <laughs> but uh, the game was an hour and 57 minutes. And I can remember games we had in St. Louis where they were less time than that. We played a doubleheader one time, and both games were under two hours. And we have trouble now playing one game in four hours. <laughs> we played two. We played two. Both of them were under under two hours. So a lot of it has to do with the pitchers throwing strikes. Of course, now when Jim Cott and Steve Carlton pitched, it was going to be a quick game. <laughs> so, <laughs> or if you had Gibson pitching, yeah. Well, I didn't have I didn't have him. I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. You 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 throw strikes. This game is much more fun to watch because. Two things. Either the hitters are going to swing and miss or they're going to put it in play. Either way, somebody's going to be happy. Yeah, that's that's exactly in the game and the game will move along. And that's I think that's what baseball's trying to get to. The uh, the game that's uh, where they're, they're taking pitches. And I've said this many times. If you took if you want try to go deep into count with a guy like Tom Seaver, you're out because after yeah. three pitches, you're done. <laughs> one way or the other he will yeah. either walk you and go or he's going to throw you strike you out you're you're absolutely right hey joe west it's always good it's great to visit it's 5460 the joe west podcast i'm mike claiborne for joe west we thank everybody for tuning in we look forward to talking to you next week with another edition of 5460 the joe west podcast have a great afternoon great evening great day whatever you want to call it we'll talk to you next week Baby took me to the ballpark to see a baseball game. Lord, it had to be at least 99 in the shade. I was stealing a glance at some tight short pants just as I turned my head. My baby grabbed me by the arm and this is what she said. If you cheat on me, you'll be out at home. If I catch you playing the field, you're gonna be long gone You better play it safe and don't do me wrong Cause if you cheat on me, you'll be out at home You've been listening to 5460, the Joe West Podcast, here on the Podcast Heat Network. Make sure to subscribe and don't miss an episode each and every Monday. We'll talk to you next week. She's checking all the signs While I'm enjoying two of the great American pastimes It's fouling up my nerve Watching all these curves Remembering what she said to me And if I get caught looking It's gonna be strike three If you cheat on me You'll be out at home If I catch you playing the field You're gonna be long gone You better play it safe Don't do me wrong Cause if you cheat on me Well you'll be out at home If you cheat on me You'll be out at home If I catch you playing the field You're gonna be long gone You better play it safe And don't do me wrong Cause if you cheat on me Well you'll be out at home If you cheat on me, you'll be out at home.